Welcome to the Supernatural Modern Life Podcast. My name is Daniela Estrada, and I'll be your host. Today we're going to be discussing control. And I have a lot of resistance to talking about this, I think, because I have a lot of resistance to relinquishing control in my own life. I've been working on a project recently, and I felt that it was a project that is God-led, that uh, God had told me to start working on it. And I had been trying to stay connected to God because part of my whole journey has been turning my eyes towards God because everyone knows that what I was doing before wasn't working. So why not give this a try, right? So I've been trying to stay connected to God and to um, put my eyes towards God. But in the process of building a business, life happens. I mean, best intentions go out the window. All of a sudden, you've got deadlines, you've got stress, you've got everything that makes you focus on this world. And then God's also been working with me on the topic of finances, (laughs) which is one of my biggest spots for healing. So of course, I've been financially challenged as well. And so I look to this business as my rescuer, my savior, right? And I'm supposed to relinquish control to God and say, okay, God, you know I need money. So I'm just going to give this to you and let you do it. Part of my history and part of my past growing up was that we didn't have a lot of money when I was a kid. So that got ingrained in me really young to always make sure that you're doing what you need to do. So I turn active and my pattern in the past is to go out and do more because if I'm doing more, even if it's not yielding what I want, at least I know that I'm doing something and that makes me feel okay. That makes me feel like, well, at least you tried. But sitting in waiting for God is like doing nothing. Even though I know it's active waiting and I'm still connected, there's something inside me that's like, you're doing nothing. You're doing nothing. And so if it fails, then part of me feels like I didn't do enough. And I know that conceptually, whatever God wants to happen will happen, right? There's nothing I can do. I can try and push that boulder as hard as I want. And maybe if I push really hard, I might get it like a half inch. But God's really the one that's going to be pushing that boulder down the hill, right? Moving it out of my way. So I don't know exactly why I'm so stuck on controlling my life, but there it is, control. It makes me feel powerful It makes me feel strong. It makes me feel like I can do this. I don't need anyone else. So maybe it's sort of a defensive mood towards every person in my life. Because when I was younger, I felt I only had myself to rely upon. Sure, I had parents and they were nice and, you know, they supported me. But I felt like I only had myself to rely upon. Everything was resting on my shoulders and my shoulders alone. There was no one I really felt I could rely upon to 
really help me or do something better than myself. And I know that's God. And God can do a million times more than I ever could and far easier. But I still hold on to this grip on control, like control is going to save me. Control is going to give me everything that I want. You know, my friend told me that I was thinking about my business like a chariot. She she mentioned some scripture that I don't recall, but that I'm looking to it as some a vehicle to save me rather than turning towards God. And and it's been challenging to let go of that control. And I thought I was doing so well. And maybe most people can relate to this, that maybe for weeks or months, you're so good and you're worshiping and, you know, you're connecting to God and you're praying because I, I pray every day, twice a day. I meditate for an hour with God. Um, I read scripture at night. You know, I'm really, I'm really in this. And yet, even though I was doing those things, I realized at the end of my launch that I wasn't connected or as connected as I could be. And so, in a sense, it was true in the moment, but it's like I stepped forward and was like, hey, God, we're cool, right? And then my walls came down or came up, whichever, probably up, because I took those moments to connect. And then it's like I stepped out of the room and I said, okay, now the door is shutting, God. Sorry, you stay on that side. I'll stay on this side. I need to get work done. And instead of inviting God into the room with me, I shut the door in his face. And I just realized that at the end of the launch because I felt disconnected. I felt so stressed. And throughout it, he was trying to tell me that there are ways to do it that are less stressful. And I didn't know how to do that. I I don't know how to do that. How do you complete a launch without engaging in stress? How do I get in a situation where I'm stressed without raising my walls and shutting God out? I don't know because it's not conscious. It's unconscious. And so it's, I get into the situation and boom, the walls go up. It's like a fortress. I put myself in a fortress thinking I can protect myself. I'm closing out any and all distractions. I'm isolating myself. And in the isolation, I can strategize. I can do whatever I need to do to make things happen. And I think it's working. But actually, if I let the doors open and I let God in, it would be far more effective and far less painful. And that's something I'm trying to learn because it's not easy because I want my outcome. I think that's what it is. I think I want my outcome and I'm not quite sure what God's outcome is and I'm not quite sure it's better than my outcome. So at least if I rely upon myself, I know that I did what I needed to do to get my outcome. But if I rely on God, and what if his outcome isn't as good? I mean, of course, he's the only one who could be creating an outcome. But I think there's that struggle of faith and letting go and allowing, surrendering, right? Surrender. Oh, my God. It's, it sounds like the worst thing possible for me to surrender to something else. 
because it sounds like I'm giving up everything that I am. And God once told me that surrender isn't what I think. Surrender isn't giving up everything of yourself and you have nothing left and you're just letting someone else take over your life. Surrender is partnering with God. It's like a marriage. It's becoming one with God so that you're doing it together. So you're surrendering your solo self to be with the duo. For instance, if I'm by myself, I can choose to fly to Europe tomorrow if I want to. I can choose to spend $600 on an appliance that I need. I can choose to turn up the music really loud at any time. If I'm in a partnership, I have to consult my partner before I fly to Europe. I have to talk about whether or not we need the $600 appliance. They may tell me, you know what, the music's too loud, right? So surrendering to God is really consulting him at every moment and and working on things together rather than me just making the decisions. And anyone who has been in a relationship knows that there is an adjustment period when you get into a relationship because you're used to doing everything by yourself. You're used to only listening to your own self. And now you've got someone else to consider. And so I am learning surrender. (laughs) I can't say it's the most exciting thing in the world. Sometimes it's really, really hard. Well, most of the time I'd say it's really, really hard, but it's also really easy too. It's a conundrum because doing it by yourself or doing it by myself seems easy, but it's challenging and it's hard. And turning to God seems hard, but once I'm doing it, it's easy. And when you actually hear the voice of God, you know, in your head or however you hear it, it makes so much sense. It clears the cobwebs, everything. It's like the the clouds part and the light shines down and it's a beautiful day. Everything clears and you recognize the truth in it. But it's getting to that place that is a challenge for me sometimes. It's funny, my friends are always (laughs) remarking how I connect to God. Why would I ever doubt But I do. And I've also been thinking about that recently because sometimes I don't know if I'm talking to the real God. I don't know if I'm really hearing. I think maybe that's something that everybody deals with. But specifically, I have things coming into my meditation a lot, trying to pretend that they're Jesus. And now recently, they've started trying to pretend that they're God. Seriously, God. It's like they realize that I'm on to their their Jesus trick, and now they're trying to pretend that they're God. And it's frustrating. So just the other day, I went to a worship night at my church because I've been feeling really dry, dry from God. And I, I just really needed some Holy Spirit and just some love. And so I went and I, I sit down. And I open myself up to worship and I open myself up to connect with God. 
And immediately, God comes in and he's like, walk with me. And I'm in, you know, heaven, um, the palace or I don't know, the kingdom. And we're walking down these halls and I've walked through these halls before. So I'm like, wow, this is great. My connection is so on point that I can step into worship. And before I even worship more than one minute, God comes in and has taken me to heaven. Wow, I'm awesome. Of course, that's unconscious, but that's kind of the impulse that sparks is like, wow, that's great. So I'm walking down the hall with God and we come into the viewing room. Now, I've been here as well when he's shown me things on earth. And as we look down on earth, I see it kind of looks like a, a map of the world, let's say. It's like a viewing deck. Imagine Star Trek or something like that where you have windows and you look down on something. And down below is a map and it's kind of dark. And in places there are lights. And he says that the lights, basically, we are his stars. So anytime someone comes to God, they they show up as a pinprick of light on the darkness. And we are their stars. And I was like, wow, that is so beautiful. Like we are God's stars. Like we look up to the heavens and he's looking down at us. I was like, wow, that's amazing. And so I'm just pondering that. And then God looks at me and his hip juts out kind of sexually or sensually. And I'm like, wait a minute, (laughs) what? And then I don't say anything, but I look at him strangely. And he says, what, you don't think God can be sensual? Don't you think I invented sensuality? And I look at him and I'm thinking, okay, Mm, good point, but hmm. So then... He walks up to me and he gives me a hug and he's like, it's okay. And at the end of the hug, he holds just a smidge tight. And I'm like, you're not God. You're not God. And he looks at me and he laughs and he pulls away and he says, the question you have to ponder is why do you keep bringing me here? And I opened my eyes and I was like, what? Because... I've renounced everything. I've done everything I can to be clean, to eradicate the enemy from my life. I mean, of course, (laughs) it's always here, right? We can't eradicate everything in its entirety. But this is my mind. This is my space. And if I believe it's an attack, the enemy is seeking me and coming after me and coming to get me. And he sneaks in my defenses. Okay, I just have to work on my defenses. But if he says I'm asking or or somehow on some level inviting him in, what does that mean? Oh my God, what a conundrum. And I I kept worshiping because I was shocked by that. I was shocked, especially because just like the day before I had been, um, I had been at church and praying and at part of the, the prayer, I saw Jesus and he 
he was pulling this thing out of my head and he was like, are you really ready to let this go now? And I realized it was connected to poverty or poverty mentality. And I said, yes. And I could see this creature that was on my back. It looked kind of like Gollum with like four or five inch razor sharp nails. And it was like stuck in my shoulders, clinging to my back like a backpack. And as I prayed and repented, Jesus basically cast this spirit out, which, you know, originally I thought was the poverty spirit, but then I thought maybe it's the famine spirit because it was emaciated and it was sucking the life out of everything. So here I was thinking, oh, I just got rid of another thing, right? So now I'm faced with, oh, wait, is there some part of me that's calling this in? And I don't even know it. I'm not aware of it because I don't want that in my life. I don't want the conflict in my life. My brain is saying, oh no, I don't want that. And yet somehow this is coming in. And so I'm like, okay, maybe maybe it's just the enemy playing tricks on me. And so I clear myself out of the space and I pray and I find myself in the garden with Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus, what the heck? What the heck? And he was like, so why do you keep drawing it in? And I thought to myself, wait a minute. Wait, is is this real Jesus? (laughs) But it is. It was. I could feel the glow. I could feel the love. And ironically, most of the time, Jesus just asks me questions. <laughs> so it's like I ask for an answer. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he asks me a question and he asks another question. So he's like, why do you keep drawing it in? And I didn't have an answer. And then I said, you know what? I think I'm fascinated with evil. Mm, who wants to admit that? Ouch. And he said, why? Or he asks, why? (laughs) Of course he does. Of course he does. Why? And the thing I came to is that I think I'm fascinated with that turning point, the point where people are faced with making a choice and how they get turned and they follow their own dark impulses. And he says, okay, but why aren't you fascinated by good? And I said, well, it just is. It's good, right? Good is just good. And that's what people are supposed to do. And then he asked, well, well, he said, true, but when people follow good, there's a benefit. So why not be fascinated by what they feel and the gifts they get from following the good? And honestly, I couldn't answer that. And I was talking with my friend and he said, I think your perception of good and evil are skewed or good and bad are skewed. And you think good is like goody two shoes following all the rules and bad is doing your own thing. And, and in a sense, I suppose I do, but it's it's really interesting. I don't want to be fascinated by the dark. 
but most of my life has been spent with my eyes focused on the dark. I spent most of my early life in traumatic situation after traumatic situation, in negative feelings. I started reading about the supernatural when I was 10. Supernatural books. I always wanted to be the hero. I wanted to be the one that fought the evil that was in the battle, right? So I was fighting evil because I really wanted good. But somehow, I think in my brain, I got so fixated on the battle that I am still in the, I mean, we're all still in the battle, but I am still in the battle and my eyes are on the battle. It's almost like somehow if, if I think that I can figure out the enemy's plan and his tricks and everything, then I'll win <laughs> rather than turning to God and saying, God, I don't care what else is going on. I'm just focused on you. I'm still in battle mode thinking that I can do something. You visualize me holding a fake sword in my hand right now. It's like, I can do it. I'm the, I'm the hero. I can be that person in my novels that goes out and defeats evil by myself. Because really, in those supernatural books, there's never any mention of God. It's the heroine, mostly by herself. Of course, she has her, her band of, of friends that help her, but she's the one quotation marks. She's the one that's defeating the evil. And even though she has friends, at the end of the day, it comes down to her and the evil locked in one-on-one -on -one battle and she wins. <laughs> and so I think subconsciously, I feel I'm in this battle by myself. And my ego wants to believe that if I do it by myself, then there's more glory. There's something that I've gained or won. And even though my conscious mind is turned towards God, I think on some level, I feel that that's weak. Oh, that's not pretty. Wow. I think maybe on some level, I feel that it's weak to just rely on God because in my history, relying on anyone other than yourself is weakness. Wow. Realization here. Even though <laughs> he's the father, like capitals, and he has every single resource and he really wants to help and wants to carry us and, and relieve us of our burdens. I think I still have a perspective that it's weak to rely on anybody other than myself. And so to rely on God rather than doing the work myself would mean that I was weak or I failed. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and there have been times that I've been in meditation with him and he's asked to carry me to take my burdens and my instinct is no I, I have those are mine I have to I have I can walk I got it I got it I don't need help I don't need help it's like I don't want help and so I don't get help oh geez 
But really, he wants to help us. That's that's who he is. He would love to carry us. He would love to take our burdens from us. He would love to fight our battles for us. In church, there's this whole um, sermon on Second Chronicles, and it was about Jehoshaphat, and there was a battle coming towards him, and he prayed, and God basically said, go out, they're going to be at this one spot, but just stand there and have your musicians worship, and I'll deliver you. So rather than them going into battle, God was just like, just go, stand there, sing, and I'll deliver them for you. And so what happened is this is a story where they show up and all of a sudden the three different armies that were coming at them start killing each other until finally they kill each other and there's nobody left on the field. And the Israelite, they didn't have to do anything because God just came in and whoosh, took out the army. I keep hearing the story again and again and again, not this one, but others as well of, you know, if we rely upon ourselves, then we can confuse ourselves thinking that we did it. And if we give it to God, God takes the glory. God gets the glory. Sort of like the walls of Jericho, right? They walk around the wall like seven times and they blow a horn. I mean, who thinks that? That's going to do anything. But the walls come down. That is obviously God. Walking out and singing and then the armies killing each other, that is God. God wants the glory because he's doing it all anyway. And we can confuse ourselves and fool ourselves into thinking that we're doing things. But really, it is God. And so I think maybe that's the lesson that I'm learning is to surrender, give up control, and let God take the glory. But there's this part of me that wants the glory. It wants to be like, I did this. I did it. Yay. I'm powerful. Oh, the ego is so strong with this one. Hmm. But if I keep thinking that it's weak to give my burdens to God, then I am carrying them. And at one point, Jesus told me you were never meant to carry them. Ah, talk about boom, right to the heart, man. You were never meant to carry them. And so rather than it being weak to give my burdens to God, It's actually a strength. It's actually weakness to hold on to it. Because I'm not trusting. I don't have the courage and the strength to give it over and say, you know more than me. You have more resources than me. I don't know why I cling to this theory that I can make things happen. But I think I'm still in the process of building trust. And I feel I've been hurt by God before, by Jesus before. And so I'm still in a place of, I don't trust you. And I want things on my own timing. I don't know if you can relate, but I want things the way that I want them on my own timing. (laughs) I think most people probably do. And 
by giving it over to God, I'm relinquishing the timing. Because God's timing most certainly is not my timing. For instance, when I started this podcast, he told me, I want you to start this podcast now. And I thought, wow, this week? And he said, no, by the end of the month. (laughs) So his now gave me 30 days to prepare. My now was thinking, oh, this has to happen in three days. So already I know my now and God's now totally different. So timing is totally different. But I still want what I want. And when I get into that state of feeling lack, like I don't have enough to survive, my survival mechanism kicks in thinking I have to scramble to do anything and everything possible to make sure that I survive. And I was pondering that this last month. And God said to me, did you think you were going to make it here? Didn't you have doubts about me this entire year? And yet you have been provided for, have you not? And I had to admit that I had. Because miraculously, I have been provided for. I don't quite know how, but it has worked out. And yet I still think I don't have enough. Ugh. You know, it, it's building this trust and building this faith because I have this picture in my mind of what I want or what I think I should have. And God keeps trying to break me of that because I think, honestly, I think that really is something brought in by the enemy to keep us always thinking that we don't have enough, we don't have what we need, we don't have what we want, and therefore we need something else and we need to turn away from God to do it. Recognizing that seems like it should help. (laughs) And maybe when I'm thinking about it, it does. But when I go into those knee-jerk reactions and my walls go up, I'm not thinking about that at all. I'm just looking at what I don't have. And this weekend it was pointed out, what you focus on, you worship. And so I've been fixated on money. So I'm worshiping money and money is my idol. Even though I think I'm focused on God, I get caught in this trap where I'm just fixated on money, where I think money will save everything. And money will change some things for sure. But I'm looking for money and my own will and strength to save me. And I talked to God about the launch. And he said, even if it doesn't do what you think it's going to do, can you trust me? Now, on any given day, I think I'm about 80 or 85% trusting God. When I'm in meditation or in prayer and I'm connected to the spirit, anything God says to me, I'm like, yes, God, I believe you. I trust you. I love you. I feel you. I feel your presence in my life. And it is so strong. How could I not? So in this moment when I'm, I'm talking to God, I'm in his presence. I'm at the throne room and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, can you trust me? And my immediate answer is, yes, of course I can trust you because my heart is open to him. I am communicating with him. I am in his presence. 
And he said, even if it takes a year to do what you want it to do, isn't that good enough to trust me? Of course. Of course it is. I, You know, if God tells me he's providing for me and he tells me he's there for me and he tells he asks me to trust him, absolutely. But then I come back to my normal world, the world of things, the world of trials and life. And all of a sudden I start doubting. I remember what God said. I remember what I felt. But then the voice comes in. It's like, really? Can you, do you really believe that? Oof. I wish it was easier. And maybe over time, as I build a relationship and I learn to keep it close to me, it will be easier. And this is where my stubbornness comes into play because I committed to God. I said, of course, God, I believe you. Therefore, I'm committed and I'm not changing course. Even if I have a few doubts, I'm not changing course because I'm believe I'm choosing to believe what he said. But it's still a little, it's a little bit hard. It's a little bit hard to keep going and trusting and know that there's something for you at some point, someday. You don't know what and you don't know when. So you just keep walking. And he asked me that. He said, can you keep going? Can you trust me enough to keep going? And of course I said, yes. And I can. And there's a challenge there. There's a challenge there. And then what was really interesting was last night, I was at worship and I was connecting and the worship got really strong and the spirit came in and it was glorious. And then all of a sudden, I saw what looked like a beautiful white cloud come over the church. And it was interesting because at that moment, the, the music kind of quieted and turned into this beautiful sort of melody, not really worship, but just a bunch of people were singing a little bit or humming and this white, glorious cloud came over the church. It was like I could see the angels coming down. And I could see them start to walk up the aisles. I couldn't really see exactly who they were talking to or meeting, but I could see this presence come in and the angels start walking. And then all of a sudden, one of them came right up in front of me and faced me and I was locked in, locked in. Like I couldn't see a fully present image, but I could sense and kind of see an outline. And I knew there was an angel right in front of me. He touched my head and I could feel this sort of tingling throughout my body, like super strong in my abdomen, like so strong, the heat started pulling and it started ricocheting throughout my whole body. And he said, would you like to be healed? And I said, yes. Yes. 
I could see as he touched me that there was like a dark seed within my gut. And as the light kept pouring in, the seed sort of levitated out of my body and out of my mouth. And I could feel it leave, like it was pulling and there was all this stuff that was holding it in place. And and it was just coming out of my body. And then he started touching my back and I could see there was like this gooey dark web, sort of, all along my back. And it was attached to me like sticky. It was almost like tar or something. I don't know, but it was like a web or a net. I was repenting and praying and the light was coming in and he started kind of pulling that off me. And he started detaching it from under my feet and it got stuck at the back of my neck. And I kept praying and I renounced any places that I had accepted it or anything that I had done, any negative thoughts. And I just kept praying and all of a sudden he... It released and it snapped off into this ball of nasty, sticky goo in his hand. And immediately his hand erupted in flames and the ball of goo was gone. (laughs) And I could feel this, like, it was so strong in my whole body. I was on fire, you know, the heat from all of this. And my body was tingling and I was, like, shaking because it was so intense and I'm still locked into connection with this angel. And then he said this, it's time for you to accept your purpose. And he held out what looked kind of like a sponge, but I think it was manna. I took it and I ate it. And like my entire body started glowing, like from my heart out, I started radiating and radiating. And he told me, You need be nothing but yourself. You need nothing else. That's all you need to do. And then he said, when it is time, you will hear the ringing of a bell. Until then, you are in training. Wow. That was so shocking and beautiful. And I kind of got this sense that what he meant by the ringing of a bell, it immediately, I heard the ding, like in a boxing ring. Like, you're training and you'll hear the bell and then you'll go into the ring. So, I mean, ring, ring, right? And then he left. But I was sitting there pondering that a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to stay too long on it because who knows what that actually means. But there was something so powerful in that statement. I don't normally share things that I get that are like that. The one thing previously that I shared was my apartment because it was such a strong thing and it came true. So now I'm holding this as a a prophetic word that somehow I'm going to hear the ringing of a bell and it's going to be time. Until then, I'm in training. Something about that resonated so strongly with me. And it made what I'm experiencing okay. Not like it wasn't okay before, but I'm training. I feel 
Like my training should be over and I should be out there already doing what I need to be doing. But what that word told me was, no, I am still in training. No matter what my ego tries to tell me, I'm still in training. And it's okay for me to be where I am. God told me recently, you are exactly where I need you to be. Can you stay there? Even when I'm having challenges with my job, even when I'm having challenges with my boss and I'm having to forgive a hundred times a day, even when I think I don't have enough, even when I think I should be further than I am or more than I am or any number of things, can I be okay where I am and do what God is calling me to do for this moment in this time? Because if I keep trying to walk 10 steps ahead, I'm missing where I'm supposed to be walking right now. So this puts it in perspective. Even though I had two other words, (laughs) I am so ridiculous. This word was presented in a way that I could hear. And sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes you just need to hear it a different way and it will make sense and it will land. God knows that I definitely need to hear maybe two or three times in two or three different ways to actually accept it. Now, I don't know if it was because it was the metaphor of a battle and that's what I heard. (laughs) That's why I accepted it, but... There was something so clear, like the, the ringing of a bell. There was something about that that just struck me as true. And I think that's why I'm listening to it. I mean, I believe it. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I believe it. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know what you're experiencing or what challenges you're going through right now. But God is speaking to us. Even if we discount it, even if we don't think we're hearing properly, even if we don't think we're hearing at all, God is talking to us. It can be that feeling inside our heart that just says yes or no. Because we all know when we do certain things, Sometimes it's good for us and sometimes it's bad for us. And sometimes we know it's not good for us, but our mind says yes. And so we do it anyway. I encourage you to get quiet and see what God is telling you. See what God is sharing with you. See what is showing up in your life. And to learn from my lessons, you know, to relinquish control and surrender. Partner with God. Partner. That's the key, partner. Sometimes I forget to ask him and say, hey, are we doing this? Sometimes I just move forward. And he loves us, so he allows us to do that. He allows us to put up our walls. He allows us to have our space. But he's so good that he's always there for us. He's always there for us when we realize that we've stepped off the path. And he's willing to come get us and bring us back on the path. (laughs) He is such an amazing God. Wherever you are, whatever you're experiencing, I just pray that 
you have a connection to God and you have an experience with God where God speaks to you and shows up in your life and shows you how much he loves you and how much he is supporting you and gives you, if you need a word, that he gives you a word that clarifies things for you, whether it comes in in your head or from a friend. I just pray that you feel his presence, that you feel the connection and that you feel his love and his grace and his mercy and the peace that comes from that. May you have a revelation that makes everything clear for you, that makes it easier for you to walk the path or rest or stand wherever you are with God. I pray that burdens be lifted if you need to be carried at this moment, that he, you allow him to carry you, that you partner with him to create something amazing in your life and that you allow him in. So I think on that note, I'm going to end for today, but thank you for staying all the way to the end. If you'd like to get reminders about new podcasts or any updates or any cool messages I get from God, go to supernaturalmodernlife.com and you can enter your information so that you can be notified. Or if you'd like to email me directly, you can email me at info at supernaturalmodernlife.com. Thank you so much for joining me and have a great day.